Well, what is up, Parkview? How's everybody doing today? Good? Good. You got that extra hour of sleep. Looking great. I want to welcome all of our campuses, Homer Glen, New Linux, uh, Orland Park online. It is just so, so good to be together. Um, my name is Jody Hickerson, if we haven't met, and I get to teach here um, from time to time, and I absolutely love it. Anytime that I get to come this way, um, I live in Southern California, so I packed a coat, okay? I, I'm loving it this weekend, um, and I'm loving this series that we're in, looking at the Lord's Prayer. Um, if you haven't been um, around the last few weeks, we're going line by line through the Lord's Prayer, um, which is where Jesus taught us how to pray. And I especially love the tagline for this series that um, says, Guidance for Anxious Times. Because we kind of need that, don't we? Some guidance for anxious times. Um, I actually got to travel here this weekend with one of our daughters. We have three daughters. They are 20, 17, and 14. Um, I say that just because if you want to pray for me at any point, that's fine. Like I, I receive it, receive those prayers. No, they're awesome. Um, I got to travel here with our 17-year-old daughter. And, you know, as we were at the gate waiting for one of our flights, you know how they have the flat screen TVs everywhere? Well, every single one of the TVs like in the terminal and at our gates was just playing the news. Like just streaming the news, MSNBC on one, CNN, Fox News. I mean, and we were trying to just do our own thing, but it seemed like every time one of the news anchors would catch our attention, it was almost just like being surrounded by bad news. Like anybody else feel like that lately? You know, with inflation and unemployment and, and healthcare and layoff and gas prices, right? And plant closings and there's teacher strikes and there's war over here and natural disasters and this crazy flooding that caused disease. I mean, even when you watch the local news, like right before they go to commercial, they say something like, can you really trust your kid's apple juice? You know, an alarming new study when we get back. And you're like, what? What's wrong with the apple juice now, you know? And then when they go to, commercial, there's some new drug being promoted and the disclaimer for the drug, right, is longer than the commercial, right? If you or your family or caregiver notice agitation, hostility, depression, or changes in behavior, mood thinking, they're not typical for you or if you develop suicidal thoughts, action, anxiety, panic, aggression, anger, mania, abnormal sensations, hallucinations, paranoia, confusion, stop taking and call your doctor right away. Also tell your doctor if you have a history of depression or other mental health problems before taking as these symptoms may worsen while taking. Some people can have a serious skin reaction while taking, which can become life-threatening. These include rash, swelling, redness, peeling of the skin. Some people can have an allergic reaction to which can become life-threatening, which includes swelling of the mouth, face, throat, and can cause trouble breathing. If you have these symptoms or a rash with peeling of the skin, blisters in your mouth, stop taking and get medical attention right away. In clinical trials, the most common side effects include <laughs> nausea, sleep problems, constipation, gas, vomiting. These are not all the side effects. Contact your doctor or pharmacist for more information. And it's like, can I get a prescription for fear, you know, for anxiety? Because it just seems like every Every day we are bombarded with things that make us feel anxious. Like, is that okay? Is that normal? Make us feel fearful or apprehensive or restless or uneasy or concerned or stressed out or uptight. And while this, you know, time on earth that we are living in and even our time in this country is unique to us right now, these feelings and going through difficult times or anxious times, I mean, that is universal and it's timeless. People have been experiencing this. This has been part of the human experience from the beginning. That is why this prayer is timeless. That when Jesus taught us how to pray and he taught his disciples then how to pray, it wasn't so we would have like a memorized recital 
or like some formalized ritual of this prayer. He taught us how to pray so that we could have the God of the universe meet us right where we are. He taught them how to pray in this moment so that the God of the universe might meet them in the middle of their mess, meet them in the middle of their trouble, right in the middle of their needs that they didn't know how we're going to get met, right in the middle of their anxious times. And this holds true for us today. There is so much power, so much truth in this prayer. And when our hearts really connect with the heart of God in this prayer, it changes us. It's more than just something maybe we memorized um, as a kid. It's, some, it's, a, it's a way to have intimacy with God that gives us guidance for anxious times. Let's just say this prayer out loud together. Wherever you're at, let's just read this out loud together from Matthew 6, ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I hope that you see as we've been going line by line through this prayer that this is about approaching our personal heavenly father and bring in a little bit of up there, down here. So many of us, we, we too often abbreviate like the Christian life or experience into praying a prayer that gets us from down here to up there, like someday. When the peace and the joy and the freedom that we can experience in following Jesus is way more about getting up there, down here a little bit of heaven into our anxious times here. Your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And today we're jumping into a portion of this prayer that is not only relational between us and God, but also between us and other people. It's this portion of the prayer that says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us us. And then I don't know about you, but the first part of this prayer is really easy for me to pray because I, I, I know I need it. God, forgive me. Like forgive us our sins because right, we know we mess up and we know we rebel and we know we miss the mark and we know that we fall short and we know that we lie and we numb and we use and we hide and we know that we sin. And that we need forgiveness. So God, forgive me. Forgive us our sins. But that second part, as we have forgiven those who sin against us, like that forgiving others would be a part of our lives. That, that's tougher, isn't it? And this part of the prayer kind of assumes that we'd be doing this. Like we come to God and say, forgive us our sins as we have. Like as we've been doing this, that forgiving one another would be a normal, consistent part of our lives as following Jesus. That every time we come to connect with God in prayer, we would be able to recall who we have forgiven this month, this week, this day. Because we're practicing 
forgiveness. This is such a big deal. In fact, just a few verses later, after Jesus teaches us how to pray, two verses later, he says this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Like that sounds like a big deal to God. Now, I want to just say sometimes this verse can come across confusing or be misinterpreted. You know, like, wait, what? I thought like God, God's forgiveness wasn't conditional on me or something that I had to do. And that's not really what this verse is saying. We actually can know through Scripture, through all of Scripture, that the forgiveness of our sins comes only through Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. Like we didn't earn it. And there's no way that we can ever earn it, earn it, which is such good news for us. And by the way, like if you are here today or you've been showing up um, from time to time or for a while and you've been wondering about that, you've been wondering if there is forgiveness for you, like if the God of the universe could actually forgive you for what you've done, give you a clean slate. If you could be rescued and saved and forgiven, the answer is yes. Like it's been paid for. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive what he paid for us and we are forgiven of all of our sins and we are made new. In fact, next Sunday at all the Parkview campuses, we are celebrating people who are going public with this decision to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior and get baptized. I mean, it's gonna be such a celebration, but if that's you, if you're feeling like you're ready to make the decision, to accept the forgiveness that Jesus paid for you on the cross, man, I just want to encourage you, it is the best decision you will make in your life to receive what Jesus has done for you by accepting him as your Lord and Savior. And then we would love to celebrate that decision with you. So this verse, it's not talking about like our salvation, that kind of forgiveness. It's not saying that if we don't forgive others, we lose the forgiveness that Jesus paid for us. Many Bible scholars believe that this is more talking about how when we come to God, right, as we're doing in this prayer and this intimate time with God, we're coming to God to confess our daily sins, to repent, to, to get cleaned up, that we come to God in this intimate place to be made whole, to say, God, I'm confessing my sins to you so that I can have some cleansing and some healing today, experience your peace and your freedom today. And this verse is, is talking about how if we have unforgiveness in our hearts towards other people, that's something God's not gonna do for us. He is not going to forgive one another for us. And so when we come to God in prayer and we're saying, forgive us our sins, but we're holding on to unforgiveness, we're not gonna be completely clean. We're not gonna be completely healed. We're not gonna feel completely free because that sin of unforgiveness is still messing with us. It's messing with our relationships. It messes with our intimacy with God because we're holding on to this. This is why it's such a big deal to God. Over and over and over again in scripture, we are told, forgive one another, forgive one another, forgive one another. Colossians 3.13 says it this way, you must like you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And then maybe even just hearing that word must is like, hold up, you don't even know what they did. Like must is a little too much, right? Because you don't know what they did. What if they didn't say they're sorry? 
What if they don't deserve it? Then must I do this? Like they owe me, my parents owe me. That ex-boyfriend owes me. That ex-girlfriend owes me, they hurt me bad. My sister, she owes me. That old spouse or my spouse now, they owe me. And if I just let them off the hook, like that wouldn't be fair. Like they need to pay, somebody's gotta pay for this. There's something in our human nature when we have been hurt or we've been offended or we've been dinged, it kind of rears its ugly head and we cry out for more than justice, right? We want revenge. We like wanna die hard with a vengeance and we're, we are cranking up the radio when Carrie Underwood comes on and we're like, I dug my key into the side of his pretty little, we're like, you know, maybe next time he'll think before he cheats, right? And we're like, yes. You know, I heard about this college student who was studying to be a dentist um, and she was putting herself through school. She just had this beat up car for transportation. And one afternoon she's heading to class and she, this guy runs a red light, totally smashes into her car, like she gets out and sees the damage, he sees it, jumps back in his car and takes off. And like her car is totaled. Like I think for the next couple of years, she's like riding her bike around. She can't afford to replace the car. You know, she's riding her bike to and from class. Um, Well, you fast forward 10 years and this young lady does in fact become a dentist. And um, one afternoon, her two o'clock root canal appointment shows up. And uh, yeah, she recognizes him right away, right? Um, he doesn't recognize her though, so she just calmly tells him, um, this isn't going to hurt at all. And, uh, and she lied. Uh, Frederick Buechner says this, right? We resonate with that. Of all sin, resentment appears to be the most fun. And that word appears is the key thing there because it's actually a trick. Like it's a mirage, it's a con game. More specifically in 2 Corinthians chapter two, it talks about it being a scheme of Satan. Like this is one of the ways the enemy of your soul wants to take you out is through unforgiveness. In reality, so much of this just gets us locked down, right? We get weighed down with anger and bitterness and resentment and grudges and unforgiveness and all the pain that comes with that stuff. Like when we choose to hang on and like, you know, make them pay, we are mostly hurting ourselves, creating anxiety for our own souls. Some of us are stewing and spewing about something internally that happened years ago. They may not even remember about it. They may have even passed away by now. But in our unforgiveness and holding on to them, this, we are allowing them to hurt us over and over and over again. Listen, holding on to unforgiveness, resentment, it can't change the past. It can't change the circumstance. It cannot change the other person, but it is hurting you. This is why this is a big deal to God. Anne Lamont, she was accredited to saying this, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die, right? That's what we're doing when we're holding on. They appear to be right appear to be the most fun, appear to be what someone deserves, but they're actually poison to us and killing us. Several years ago when our family was uh, actually living in Northern Illinois, our girls were really little. Our daughter that's now 14, she was just a baby. And um, one night we decided, let's get wild. Like, let's go to McDonald's. You know, it's $1 ice cream cone night or something like that. They were like, let's walk up to McDonald's. So we get the kids and we're walking there. And we decided to take this back way, like through a field. So we're walking through this field up to McDonald's. And our middle daughter, Bryce, gets stung by a wasp. And so she starts crying 
So I run back there to help Bryce and see what's going on with her. Little did I know as I'm helping her, I am standing underneath the wasp nest. And I'm telling you, they start swarming me, hundreds of them, thousands of them, uh, maybe millions of them, I don't know. But I, I mean, they're swarming me. I'm, I'm smacking myself. I am like, I throw my purse. I start rolling down the hill. I'm screaming to my husband, like, save the baby, take the children, you know. Um, it took us like five years before I let anybody laugh about this um, because it hurt so bad. I was stung like 12 times, um, which just lets me relate to William Walton when he says to carry a grudge is like that. It's like being stung to death by one bee. And I'm telling you from personal experience, it's a real bad way to go out. But some of us are going down like that. There is a lot of research and science backs this up that people actually are sick or they stay sick because of unresolved bitterness in their hearts and their souls. It literally, this is something that literally eats us from the inside out. So how do we do this? How do we come to God in this intimate way and pray for a little bit of up there to come down here? We say, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven. How do we do this from the heart? First, I think we gotta understand what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness, first of all, is not forgetting, right? People say all the time, like, just forgive and forget, you know, like it's that easy. I don't know about you, but I don't have a delete button in my mind. So sometimes it's impossible to forget. Sometimes there are scars that we are left with or sometimes constant daily reminders of what someone did to hurt us because of the situation that their actions left us in. Sometimes we can't forget. And, and oftentimes, sometimes when we're just trying to forget, it's actually denial. And what we're really doing is stuffing it down and we're repressing, which isn't healthy either. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not just forgetting. Forgiveness is also not excusing. It's not saying, oh, it was no big deal, when it was a big deal. It's not minimizing, it's not rationalizing. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not allowing yourself to be continually abused by other people or continuing to let somebody hurt you because you're just like, it's no big deal, it's no big deal. That You think that's what forgiveness is? No, that's where you start to create some healthy boundaries. That's where you need to take a stand. That's where you may need to get the help of a counselor, especially if you've been living in like a perpetually toxic relationship where you've been thinking like forgiveness means excusing. I'm just supposed to excuse it. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is also not the same as reconciling. I'll tell you right now, I have seen God do miracles in reconciling relationships that you thought like there's no way this is getting reconciled. Friendships and marriages, I've seen it. But truly forgiving and extending forgiveness doesn't always mean that the friendship gets back together. It doesn't always mean that the couple reunites. It for sure doesn't mean going back to abuse or an unhealthy relationship. This isn't about people pleasing or, or trying to change someone because you just have to reconcile. Oftentimes in, in true forgiveness, you can be reconciled with God because you're clean. You, you've extended that forgiveness. And that other person, if they are willing, they can be reconciled with God. But it is okay if the cross of Jesus Christ stands between you. It's okay. Forgiveness does not always mean reconciling. Also, forgiveness does not eliminate the consequences. 
Like when we forgive, it doesn't mean that the consequences of what someone else did just magically disappear, right? Like we know this. The harsh reality is that when people make choices or mistakes that affect us, they've, they've gambled away the savings or they left the family, like that hurts. And there is a ripple effect and there are consequences that we're gonna have to just live with. They don't magically disappear when we, when we forgive. But here's the deal. We're gonna have to live with these consequences regardless, right? The choice we've got to make is whether we are gonna live in the bondage of bitterness or the freedom or forgiveness for our own souls. And I know that this is tough and I know that this is work. But if we're gonna come to God and say, forgive us our sins and pray for a little bit of up there to come down here, it's gonna involve forgiving one another so that we might be free. So here's just a simple framework around forgiveness and what it looks like for today. First, acknowledge the hurt. We gotta get honest. We have to get honest. There's a real reason I'm sure that you're mad or you're hurt or you haven't forgiven. And for true forgiveness to happen, it's gonna have to come from our hearts. It's gonna have to come from that deep place within our souls. Like this is so important. So we've gotta allow God to bring that stuff to the surface. We've gotta really acknowledge the hurt, the pain, the hate, the anger, why we feel the way that we do. And we've gotta say, God, bring that up in me. I've got to deal with this now. I've gotta do this work and acknowledge the hurt of how it felt to be neglected or abused or treated that way or dinged in that way. We've gotta acknowledge it and bring it before God. And listen, so many of us have avoided this work for so long because it feels painful. And we would rather just stuff it down and never look at it again. But that is so toxic for our souls. And it, it, it is leaking out into the relationships with the people we care about most. It's time to acknowledge the, the hurt and be brave. And listen, here's the beautiful thing. Just like we said at the beginning of this prayer, we get to acknowledge the hurt and bring that before our Father. Our Father. This is your personal heavenly father and he knows he knows he knows the hurt and he it's a safe place to say bring that to the surface so that I can begin to heal he is your father he is safe I mean look at what he says to you this is all from scripture this is the God of the universe saying I care about you I keep track of all your sorrows I have collected all of your tears I have compassion for how you've been afflicted. I have not forgotten you. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on her child? Here is my promise, though she may forget, I will not forget you. You can trust in my unfailing love. I heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. This is who we're bringing our real hurt to, our father, a loving God, get brave and acknowledge the hurt. Finally face it. If you're ever gonna forgive, bring that before a loving God. That's where healing begins and then make a choice because forgiveness is a decision of our will. It's not a feeling. It's actually a choice that we make that we're gonna release that other person. A choice that we make to not keep, you know, bringing out the offenses from the file cabinet like a prosecutor and reminding them of every time they've screwed up. 
It's a choice that we're making not to punish, not to ice out, a choice that we're making not to strike back, not to get even. It's this decision that we're making to surrender to the leadership of God, really, because this is something he's asked us to do. And if it's something that God requires of us, that means it's something that God is going to empower us to do. So don't wait until you feel like forgiving, because the truth is we don't always get there, do we? We don't always feel like it. But we can make this choice to not hold on and keep getting stung and stung and stung by the same thing again and again. Make the choice, give up the right to get even. And and if necessary, just release that to God. Romans 12 says this, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do your part to live at peace with everyone as much as possible. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves, leave that to God. For it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. You can put this in God's hands The battle you are fighting is the one within you. This is about your heart, your freedom. Make a choice. And sometimes when we make this choice to forgive, this beautiful thing happens in relationships, right? And there is reconciliation. And this like trust that is built and this respect that is built. And it's amazing how God does that. But other times it is literally a one-way street. And it's just you extending forgiveness Listen, make the decision regardless. Even if they don't ask for your forgiveness, even if they don't deserve your forgiveness, this is exactly what Jesus modeled for us from the cross when he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then repeat, right? Because if we're gonna do life with one another, we're gonna have to forgive one another often. We're gonna have to really practice this forgive one another thing. One time one of Jesus' followers is a guy named Peter, which I love Peter because Peter was forever putting his foot in his mouth. Um, But he asked Jesus one time, he was like, so like how often do I have to forgive? Like how many times I gotta do this? And he was like, like seven times? And, and literally he thought he got this right because the number seven was often used as completion in scripture. So he's kind of trying to flex on everybody. Like, look at this, I got this one right, you know, seven times. And Jesus looks at him and says, no, not seven times. 70 times, seven times. And Jesus was making a point. He was not saying, you know, so now we can all multiply it out and I can look at my husband and be like, hey man, you know, you're at 490. So one more, you know, I, no, Jesus was saying, whatever you thought was completion, whatever you thought was, was all of it, God's forgiveness towards you has no limit. It's more than you could ever imagine. And if you're gonna forgive the way that he forgives you, you're gonna have to do this a lot. And we know this, right? In everyday relationships, we're bumping up against each other. We're having to say, we're having to forgive for mistakes that are made or someone not showing up when they were supposed to. I even had to own my part in something this past week and ask a friend for forgiveness. And I'm so thankful that she's got this pattern in her life where she can forgive quickly and easily. Some of the most powerful words that we can say are, I'm sorry, And I forgive you. And listen, we got to say them more often. They've got to be on repeat. Can you imagine if we did this? Can you even imagine if we lived this way, if we got really good at forgiving one another, at understanding what forgiveness is not, 
at actually acknowledging our hurt and bringing that before our loving Father, at making a choice to forgive and release and then repeating that over and over. Can you even imagine what our lives would look like, what our world would look like? I mean, can you picture it as a society? If we started practicing forgiving one another in this way during these anxious times, I'm telling you, if we were doing this, divorce rates are going down. There'd be less lawsuits, crime would go down, violence, sickness, murder. We'd get a little more of up there, down here. But let me ask you this, can you, can you see how it would change your own life, your own heart, your own soul for what you've been carrying? To get a little bit of up there, the peace, the freedom, the joy, the beauty, in here, some of us today, man, we have been stuffing something inside that has literally been killing us from the inside out. It's, it's time to forgive. Maybe today what you're holding is a thousand tiny grudges against the people you actually live with every day. And you know there's a wedge. It's time to forgive. Some of us today, if we're honest, we have been letting some one person or one situation live rent-free in our minds for way too long. And we are not free. And we don't have peace. But there is an invitation today to come to our Father and bring our real hurt to a loving God and make a choice to forgive. I don't know what that would look like for you today if that person is gone and you need to just place and release it into God's hands or if it would mean scheduling a conversation or having a phone call or sending an email or scheduling a coffee. I know this is tough work. This is actually tough stuff, but however hard it may be, it is so worth it to forgive. See, there's one last component with all this stuff that when we really grasp it, it, it changes us. And that is that we got to remember. Ephesians 4 says, get rid of it all. Get rid of it all. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven I mean, aren't you glad that God wasn't fair with us? Aren't you glad that he doesn't give us what we deserve, but instead we get forgiveness? And if we're gonna experience a little bit of heaven on earth, we've gotta remember how much we've been forgiven and we've gotta extend that to one another just as God through Christ has forgiven us. I'm gonna pray for us here in a second, but I just want you to know that I have been praying for you. I've been praying that someone today, wherever you're at, would release a load, would forgive, like you would leave and, and be lighter. Like you might even wanna go home and get on the scale, you feel so much lighter. I'm praying for that today. Praying we would experience a little bit of heaven, a little bit of freedom, a little bit of peace on earth and in our souls. I've been praying for you. 
And man, I know that this is tough work. And if you need some people praying for you, as you do this work, as you extend forgiveness, man, you gotta text the 40 days to that number just in the next 40 hours and ask some people to pray for you. Man, we're here for each other. We'd be honored to pray for each other as we do this work of forgiveness because it's so important. God, I thank you for the way that you love us and for the way that you move towards us. And God, even before we asked for it, while we were still sinners, you died for us, you paid for it all. And Lord, I pray today that someone here would just accept you as their Lord and Savior and experience the forgiveness of their sins today for the first time. And I pray, Lord, that so many of us, as we go into our lives, God, that we would be able to remember the way you've forgiven us and be able to extend that to one another. We thank you, Father, for the way you love us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.